part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Artist Pivot Podcast. My name is Ayana Major Bay, and I am an actress, voiceover artist, mentor, and your host. This show is a bi-weekly conversation highlighting pivots and life lessons from the perspective of artists, those who work in and around the arts, and arts educators. For those listening who don't consider themselves artists, you can pivot too. Everyone possesses the ability to do so. You just have to be reminded sometimes. All of our life lessons have taught us to be better pivoters, and it is my goal to share these life lessons to guide and inspire others. Now, here is part two of the season four finale featuring author, illustrator, musician, and founder of the Hell Yeah Group, Paco De Leon. All right, y'all. So on this episode, I am joined by author, illustrator, and musician, Paco De Leon. She is the founder of the Hell Yeah Group, a financial firm dedicated to inspiring creatives to engage with their personal and business finances, and Hell Yeah Bookkeeping, a bookkeeping agency for creative businesses. Her career experiences in banking, business consulting, financial planning, and wealth management have informed her financial philosophies. She is a tech speaker, and her work has been published or featured in the New York Times, Bloomberg, Vice, Time, and in other publications, and on NPR. She lives in Los Angeles with her wife. Y'all, welcome Paco de Leon to the show. Hello. How's it going? It's going well over here. How's it going for you? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me today. You're so very welcome. So very welcome. So my first question to you, I, I, I love asking this question to everybody. If I were to send you a text right now and say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? How's your day? But you could only respond in emojis only. What would you send me? Definitely peace sign sunglasses emoji. Ooh, that's a good one. That's my whole vibe. <laughs> very California. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Come on, California vibe. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that imaginary text. Of course. Thanks for asking. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. So, y'all, I wanted to bring Paco on the show today. As you know, if you're listening, this is one of the episodes in my season finale. And we're talking to creatives who also happen to be financial planners for other creatives. And um, we're going to get into this conversation. So, Paco, I have a question for you. Um, Were you always like a a financial planner or were you an artist first, then became financial planner or were a financial planner, then became an artist? Or you were like, I did all of it at the same time (laughs) and then branched off. It it kind of happened concurrently. I mean, I've always played music like since I was a little kid I've always been drawn to noise making things like I'm the I'm the little kid who if you like put them in a room or there's like an instrument in front of them Mm -hmm. they just can't help but touch it like I'm so curious about how it makes it sound what does it sound like how can like sound has always been something that has appealed to me manipulating sound creating sound has -hmm. been something that has appealed to me since I was like really really young and so I've always played music and I started playing seriously when I was like 15 um one of my friends asked me to start a band in high school and (laughs) yes we started a band and 
when I was in college, that's when I decided to study finance and economics. And okay. it was half because my time was running out, right? I had to choose something. And then okay. partially because uh, my parents are immigrants and they never said, hey, like don't study art or don't study music. But there was a feeling that I had of like reflecting mm -hmm. on their journey, reflecting on the fact that they came to America and they gave up their lives over there and they had to start over and learn the language and adapt and then um, kind of make financial decisions, you know, without having parents who knew this system really well, right? And yeah. so my decision to study finance and economics was really colored by that. I felt like, oh, man, I should do something that they think is practical because I don't want them to have to worry about me. <laughs> I, I want yeah. them to feel like them coming over here and all of their sacrifice was going to be like worth it. And so I had that kind of limiting belief. Um, mm -hmm. But so I went to school, studied finance and econ, was still playing in bands throughout college when I got my first few jobs as a business consultant, you know, doing bookkeeping. And then even when I was a financial planner, I was still playing in bands. So, mm -hmm. you know, once you break into like this artist community, like playing in a band, you start to meet first you meet musicians, you meet people who are like literally studying drums in college. And then you meet people who are like ceramicists and painters and filmmakers. And over time, like as my daytime network at work was expanding, you know, like learning the financial planning world. So was my like nighttime artist network because I was just plugged in. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. So you had two worlds expanding at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. eventually they started to kind of collide with each other. You know, my artist mm -hmm. friends would start to ask like, what's a bond or should I invest? Or my grandma gave me a chunk of cash and I don't know what to do with it. And so I started to see that there was definitely a need for mm -hmm. artists and creative people to get help. But I mm -hmm. knew the model. I knew the business model of financial planning and investment management. And I knew that there was a direct like it was in friction because, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago, you needed a million dollars in order to hire a financial planner. Today, it's very different. But when yeah. I was getting started, I was very frustrated. I thought, wow, we only help people who are like, you know, the Andy Warhols. They had to have already made their money. And that feels mm -hmm. that's cool and everything. But what about the folks who are, what about the, like the working class artists? How can we help them? Right, right. So with that, when did you decide that you were like, you know what, I'm going to take my skills that I've learned in finance, in banking, and I'm going to direct my energy and, you know, what I want to do towards helping artists with their finances? So I always had like an inkling when I was working as a financial planner, I would sit in the room and we would be helping like studio executives. Mm -hmm. And I would wonder like, oh, what do you guys do all day? Do you like fill out forms or like, you know, they're not the creative, they're not like the, they didn't write the screenplay, you know, they're not the actors, they're not the creative people, but they were making so much money and we were helping them manage their so much money. And so that's yeah. when I started to kind of question like, what, how do these people, like what's going on? Where's the artist in all of this? Mm -hmm. um, and then I think that my disposition is very much like an artist in the sense that I just want to do what I want to do. And I don't like red tape. I don't like bureaucracy. I don't like, 
I love asking questions. Why are things set up like this? So I have very mm -hmm. entrepreneurial spirit, which has gotten me in trouble a lot at work. And so, uh -huh. you know, I've been fired a couple of times. And <laughs> while it was happening, it feels really but mm -hmm. it's one of those things that in retrospect, it's kind of like the best thing that could have ever happened to you. And so that's what happened to me. I was working like one of my last jobs in cannabis consulting. I was building business, like writing business plans, doing research, mm -hmm. helping people set up their cannabis businesses all across America. And mm -hmm. I was like um, kind of lying to myself. Like you ever have those conversations with your friends where you're like, hey, I could do this. It's going to work out. But kind of deep down, you know, it's not right. Well, I yes. had that conversation. <laughs> right. Okay. So I had that conversation and like the night before and literally the next day I get fired. And my boss at the time, he says, um, can you like promise me something? I was like, this is so weird that you're asking me, but sure. And mm -hmm, he goes, mm -hmm. um, promise me you're too smart to work like another, you know, stupid office job. Promise me that you won't go and do that. You'll be surprised at what happens when you allow yourself to rise to the occasion. And so I was wow. like, that's, and that's an odd thing to say to somebody as you're ripping away their livelihood. And so yeah. <laughs> I just said, sure. And by then I had been meditating for maybe like a couple of years, like a, having a mm -hmm. daily practice. And so after he fired me, I, you know, called on my friends and said, hey, guys, I'm fun employed. We're going to party. Uh, but then every day I would wake up and I would sit quietly and meditate and I would ask myself and ask the universe, very LA, I know, I would say, what am I meant to do here? What am I supposed to do with my life? What, how, where, you know? And mm -hmm. over time, eventually I could hear probably was my intuition um, saying like, how about, well, look at the fact that you're great at finance. That's, those are very sharp tools in terms of mm -hmm. your skill set. Um, mm -hmm. So don't abandon that, but also think about your community. And so the question that kept popping up as I asked the question, what should I do? The question was, what about creative people? Is there a way that you can help them and serve them and feel good about it and build mm -hmm. something that, you know, is sustainable for you in terms of your mm -hmm. livelihood, but also like feels good to put out into the universe? Right, right. I, yes, I completely understand that. And like, like I said, so LA, it's New Jersey too. Like I'm s such a fan of meditation and I, I'd say like I'm two years in. And Amazing. it is one of those things that you're just like, oh, yeah, like to sit with yourself and to ask the question, like, what am I meant to do here? But I think artists, we kind of instinctively have the what am I supposed to do here? But unfortunately, capitalism, specifically in America, kind of goes like, oh, yeah, no, you can't do that. Like, no, mm, like. Yeah, you think you know what you want to do, but because, you know, you need to make some money and you need to, you know, <laughs> this whole like our egos are tied to capitalism and, and artists were just kind of like, I just want to create. I want to make something like you're like, I just want to make music like I like sounds and I like things. And me, I, I'm I've been a theater girl since I was little. So I would make my parents and my sisters um, like sit down in the, on in the living room and I would put on shows and the fireplace like was my stage. So like, love it. I knew. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I think the human experience, well, first of all, I think when it comes to being an artist, I think like you were saying, um, so many of us are like attuned to our feelings. And I think it's because the job of an artist is to have this experience, this human, you know, this experience of this current consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. To feel it and then to use whatever skill they have to express 
this experience, what they're going through in order for other people who are also going through an experience to just feel like, oh, shit, okay, like there's some parallels here, right? Like right. we're all kind of on this rock hurling through space trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other side of that is like, I think one of the things that a lot of people are starting to understand in the larger sense is that to exist is to like be in this constant state of friction where mm-hmm. you want to express yourself, but you are opting in to be in a capitalist society every day that you're here, right? Every day that yeah. I turn my air conditioning on and I love my my computer and I love the internet and I love my uh-huh. little phone. So there's that friction. And I think that we're all starting to realize that like uh, – so much of what we need to do is to understand how to just sit with those opposing things. Yes. I really think <laughs> the world would be a better place if we all really, really practice that every mm-hmm. day. And then we figured out a way to deploy that practice when we meet other people with different perspectives or different upbringing, different values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said that perfectly. Like, <laughs> perfectly we need to be able to sit with the friction and acknowledge it and also be like how can I get it so there's no friction here they just kind of harmoniously exist at the same time (laughs) right yeah I mean and that goes back to the meditation practice where you just like yeah your leg hurts or you have an itchy nose Mm -hmm. uh, and you're anxious about your email but you Mm -hmm. just have to feel it yeah yeah That's true. That's true. So this leads me to my next question. With developing the Hell Yeah group, first of all, I want to know how you came up with that name. And then secondly, um, with the financial firm, what was your like, again, I know it has kind of expanded into bookkeeping as well, which I want to talk about that too. But your first goal in developing the Hell Yeah group, what, you know, what was your first goal, your first mission to be like, I'm going to do this to help creatives with their finances? So the name, I don't know. I wanted to use not my name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I wanted the name to attract who I thought it would attract and repel people who were not going to be about what I was about. And so I thought using the Hell Yeah group was like, it sounded weirdly serious because there was the group there, right? And I could Mm -hmm. build a firm and have associates, right? Because the original plan was to do like consulting and financial planning. And if, you know, eventually there'd be a group, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, hell yeah, was kind of like, I don't know, two middle fingers to the man in the sense of like, to the industry, basically, like, yeah, take this Goldman Sachs. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I, uh, it's funny because like whenever I do like local news or like when I was on GMA, I remember they specifically were like not saying the Hell Yeah group. So uh, it's oh. funny to be a little bit edgy, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, in terms of my first goal, I one of the main things I really wanted to do was I wanted to set the information I had free. Because Mm -hmm. I found myself with a seat at the table, so to speak. Like when I worked as a financial planner, I felt as if I'd stumbled into this position. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to a school that was particularly impressive. There was nothing about my academics that made me think like, okay, I'm, I don't know. I just felt very average. And I found myself in this job where I was working with above average clients in terms of the schools they went to. Like a lot of them are Harvard grads. 
mm-hmm. because in Hollywood, I, this is what I learned, like a lot of the executives are coming out of these like uh, Ivy League schools. So I'm sitting across the table oh. from these Ivy League graduates who are making millions of dollars, who are running Hollywood, and I'm learning how to you know make deals. I'm learning how to negotiate your pay with your with your agency. I'm learning mm-hmm. all these like tricks of basically how the world works. I feel like my boss took me under his wing or let me mm-hmm. change the analogy. I feel like my boss lifted up the curtain and was like, this is how mm-hmm. the world works, kid. And yeah. so I just felt like, oh, I feel like people should know about this. And so yeah. a big, a big driver of starting the Hell Yeah group was to set the information free and to kind of like, you know, level the playing field for folks who didn't stumble into a job the way that I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. And so then with that, with you um, engaging with artists and inspiring them and creators to be like, okay, y'all, come on, let's, let's, I'm gonna give you the information because you deserve it. You are worthy of it. You need it. We trying to have you succeed and thrive out here as artists. (laughs) Um, How did the bookkeeping come into play? And with that, you also have a book. So I want you to talk about that as well, how your book, and excuse me, y'all, I have to say this, she was the illustrator of her book. I just want to like put that flex out there for a second. Um, no so deal. yes, how do, no, no big deal. No big deal, y'all. It's typical. We, it's common. We do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into bookkeeping and then your book? Okay. So my first job out of college was at a boutique a business consulting firm. And mm-hmm. it was basically bookkeeping and more. So what I mean by and more is there's like business management. We're like opening up mail for clients. We're building, you know, a cash flow projection. We're cutting checks. We're calling the insurance company and we're like, hey, uh, so-and-so needs a better auto policy. So we're running people's businesses and people's lives. And yeah. I learned how to do bookkeeping. And I did that for a couple of years. And then when I broke off on my own, the Hell Yeah Group was originally like a consultancy, right? So I'm okay. I'm bring I'm working with clients one on one, and every time because it's an artist who's a creative person who's working for themselves. Every time I say, "Do you have a bookkeeper?" and like ninety eight percent of the time they're like, "What's a bookkeeper?" I'm like, "Wow, you're out here just like swimming naked." You know what I mean? Like you're taking some risks. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. hire a bookkeeper, and so I started. Um, I started referring out a ton of bookkeeping business. And after a year, I was like, huh, I wonder how much money I'm leaving on the table. And Uh I don't particularly like bookkeeping. I don't like it, which is exactly why I started the business. Because I was like, if I don't like it and I have experience, I'm relatively good at it. I have a finance degree. I understand accounting. Imagine how these other people feel. So Mm-hmm. I reached out to a buddy actually who worked at this firm that I worked with and we originally started the company together and we originally started to like try to work with writers because that was mm-hmm. easy, right? Writers get paid a lot. They don't have a lot of overhead and the bookkeeping would be um, easy to do. And like writers in Hollywood, like in a writer's yeah. room. And yeah. then over time, I just realized like, oh crap, this is a beautiful business model because it's recurring monthly revenue. There's mm-hmm. a lot of inertia, meaning like um, once somebody works with you, you really have to go out of your way to make them fire you. Um, uh-huh. Or they could like naturally grow too big, which is also amazing for them. Um, and there's no emergencies. Like the difference between wealth management and bookkeeping, like with wealth management, mm-hmm. I would get a client who calls me and they're like, I need $100,000 in my account by the end of the day. And I'm like, bro, it's Friday, one o'clock. 
the banks are on New York time. Like, what do you want me to, you know, like you now I have yeah. to drop everything and, and literally fax a form, you know? Uh, huh. and with bookkeeping, there's no emergency. Like every once in a while, a client will say like, I'm trying to buy a house and this mortgage broker keeps harassing me about the financials. And I would have to be like, all right, let's take a step back. We don't have emergencies here because we always do your bookkeeping. Uh, mm -hmm. but also think about like why they're harassing you because you know, mm -hmm. they want you to get a mortgage. They're going to get paid. So we can relax, right. take the foot off the gas. So that's right. how I got into bookkeeping. And, um, I've just built a business off the backs of others' failures in the sense that a lot of bookkeepers and a lot of accounting professionals, they're good at accounting, they're good at bookkeeping, yeah. but they're bad at like running a business. They're bad at having conversations around value and marketing. And mm -hmm. I love that. I could do that all day long. And so, yes. yeah, the bookkeeping has been very kind to me and I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Um, yes. And then I wrote a book. I wrote a book in 2020 called mm -hmm. Finance for the People. And that came about because when I first started the Hell Yeah Group, I went online and was like, hey, Google, how to do an online business, right? Uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> and Google and all these like marketing people are like, oh, to do an online business, you really have to market, right? Because you're not out there. You mm -hmm. don't have like a storefront. You have to do mm -hmm. content marketing. And I was like, what's content marketing, Google? Uh -huh. And all these marketing people are like, here's what you do. You write blogs, you send out a newsletter, you do a podcast, you you deliver value in the form of content for free so people can know, like, and trust you. And mm -hmm. you know, you're at the top of their mind every week with an email newsletter and then the business will come. And I was like, that sounds great. So uh -huh. every day, like in 2016, 2017 maybe i'd write blog posts i'd send out an email newsletter every wednesday and just wait and then mm -hmm. like a few years later um this is a very charmed story of how this book deal came about a few years yeah. later um a stranger on the internet who by the name of jenny stevens who is my literary agent just cold emails me and is like hey paka i've been reading all your stuff i really think you have a unique perspective and that you know the world needs a book written by you or do you want to write a book? So I get on the phone with Jenny and I'm like, hey, can you just tell me how all this works? And she takes her time. She takes like a whole hour, explains exactly what it's like to write a book, mm -hmm. asks me if I had any ideas. Of course, as a creative person, I feel like, of course, I have an idea. I have an idea for a TV show. I have an idea for a podcast. <laughs> I have an idea for several books. It's like, which one do you want? You know? Uh -huh. And so- we talked we talk through a couple of the ideas. She's like, you should probably do this. She's like, okay, here's some examples. Here's how you write a book proposal. And then she sends me those ideas. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like trying to write a book proposal. Of course, like I freak out. I get scared. I procrastinate. I have to hire a coach to just like help mm -hmm. me sort my psychology between my ears, my own emotions of worthiness of putting myself out there. Mm -hmm. Hire her. She helps me. We send out the proposal. The mean in like in the meantime, like if you want to know, I'll double back to the illustrations. But sure. Uh, so you know, very charmed. I send her the proposal. She's like, "We're going to send it out to thirty uh, publishers," and then she sends it out. Like eleven of them want to get on calls. We get on. I get on eleven calls. Eight yeah. of them put in an offer. She makes them bid against themselves, and then lo and behold, I have a book deal. It was a uh, incredible process. I can't believe it happened to me. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of writers who I tell the story to, they're like, you know, that's not normally how it works, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's why it's such a charmed and amazing story. And um, it's really hard to write a book. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. God, what a mountain to climb. But I had <laughs> always wanted to write a book based off of um, 
I got inspired by this other author named Yumi Sakagawa. She wrote a book called uh, How to Be One with the Universe, Your Illustrated mm -hmm. Guide to Being One with the Universe. And she talked about meditation in a way that I'd never seen anyone talk about meditation before. It left mm -hmm. me feeling inspired, confused, flabbergasted, delighted. And I wanted somebody to feel that exact feeling, but with finances and money. And I was like, I want to make a book that when somebody picks it up and they look at it, there's drawings, the voice, everything about it. I want them to feel this exact feeling I'm feeling right now. Delighted, confused, mm -hmm. inspired, flabbergasted. And that's what I set out to do. So um, I had been illustrating a little bit, but um, I originally was going to hire an illustrator. And then I realized, like, I could probably... I could probably do it. And they, the mm -hmm. publisher was like, yeah, these are great. So they, I, they did the illustrations. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. That is something, it wasn't even on your like mind necessarily, but because you're already putting in the work, the universe was like, okay, here you go. You can write a book now. <laughs> yeah. It's really crazy how like, just like being so consumed by the process Mm -hmm. And not like the finish line, how many mm -hmm. amazing opportunities have come out of just like surrendering and realizing as a creative person, the process is all there ever is, boo. Like that's it. You know, like you have Bingo. your pub date, you have your pub date and that's cute and everything. But like, then what? Then you're just going back into another process of like, what are we going to ship next? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's it. That's it. Like, we all have those dates, whether it's opening night, whether it's your published date, whether it's, you know, the your art installation goes up. Oh, the concert's happening tonight, pr the premiere. And then you're right. And then we go right back into, okay, well, what's what's the next part? Exactly. It's a, what a, what an existence we've chosen. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We, yes, we have chosen a unique existence. But I will say, I wouldn't choose anything else. Even, oh my gosh. you know, after all the things that I've been through being an artist and being, you know, fighting the capitalistic system, I still wouldn't choose anything else. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we're ultimately saying that we get to live in an, an inspired life mm -hmm. and inspire others. That's really what we're doing at the end of the day. And like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Earth is beautiful. Why not get inspired by it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like, why why not get inspired by it? Um, so my um, next question to you would be, is there a word of advice, a piece of advice, a nugget of wisdom to, and it doesn't actually necessarily have to be just artists, but other humans um, that you would like to share? Something that you're either still learning or you have learned or something that you're like, y'all, I carry this with me all the time so that you know, I stay on this journey and I keep learning and I keep loving it. What a great question. You can only choose one thing, huh? Oh, no, you could listen. This, you could give me multiple if you want. This is this is your time. <laughs> I think I don't know that artists necessarily struggle with this, but I think a lot of people struggle with this. And it's the fact that uh, our society is not like set up for us to feel our bad feelings mm -hmm. like um we're getting messages all the time from marketing that are that makes us feel even worse and instead mm -hmm. of the solution to be like i don't know feel the feelings um yeah. process your trauma heal your wounds it's like buy mm -hmm. this product right and so yeah. 
I just want to encourage people to feel their feelings. A very silly, simple, free thing to do. And once you start to do that, um, it takes the fear out of whatever they are, right? Mm-hmm. For me, for many, many years, I was afraid. I was so terrified to feel my feelings that I would just like mm-hmm. take on another project. Um, mm-hmm. You know, find, you know, go hang out with a group of friends, drink alcohol, eat some food, watch a movie, leave my house. There was, I was keeping myself so busy. Mm-hmm. And when I finally allowed myself to feel my feelings, I realized that they weren't that scary one. And they mm-hmm. provided a tremendous amount of data that impacted my financial life. Like I realized mm-hmm. that I constantly felt like I wasn't enough and that I wasn't worthy uh, yeah. because of my marginalized status. And it wasn't until I really like allowed myself to feel the feelings, then I could understand where am I like wounded and then how Mm -hmm. can I heal those wounds? And now that I've done that, it's dramatically changed my financial life. And I think that's important because I have the degree in finance. (laughs) Yes, yes. But I was a broke financial planner, you know, like I had the information and it's not always about just having the information. Everybody knows that they should, you know, save 10, 20, 30% of their income, but a lot of us are not doing it. Okay. Can we dig into why? And, you Mm -hmm. know, how are we victims of capitalism, but where is our agency in the whole matter? Mm -hmm. And I do really think that a lot of that starts off with just like not being afraid to feel. Yeah, that's, that's a lot 99% of things in life like not being afraid to feel the feelings yeah and it feels weird like it feels silly to talk about it in the context of finance but you know Uh it's how you do one thing is how you do everything I think is what Aristotle said so it it does like it impacts feeling your feelings in one area of your life teaches you how to feel your feelings in another area of your life Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think in particular with creatives, you know, there there is that feeling of lack and like just plain like downright like I am terrified of this thing. Like I like what 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 we huh? And then we like brush it under the rug. I just want to go. I'm going to go like play an instrument now. Like I don't I can't I just uh, I don't want to, but it's, you know, we have to face it. And like you said, feel it. Like we have to work through it, even if it like gives us a tummy ache. Like, Yeah. It's the point I think mm-hmm. of this experience is to like really allow yourself to experience the feeling of human emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the end of the story. <laughs> so I love it. That's for? it. y'all. That's it. That's the end of the story. Yeah. What a ride, you know? We're here to enjoy the ride. And part of the ride is like feeling everything. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I wish, I wish, because I agree with you and I try to like express that as much as I can. We're here to enjoy the ride. Like, period. Full stop. That's it. That's it. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. That's it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's it. That's it. Y'all, we are here to here to enjoy the ride. And maybe also one day I I could be like one of your clients. Um, I need a hundred thousand dollars in my account by the end of the day. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, who? Who yeah. says a sentence like that? I Wait, know. I want to say a sentence like that. <laughs> it was wild stepping into that world for sure. Like, oh wow, this is how people live. That's cool. Now I know. 
Right. Got some data on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me put this data away. I was right. like, wait a minute. I'm going to put that in my meditations in the morning. I want to be able to say, can I get $100,000 in my account by tonight? Thanks so much. <laughs> you can and you should. Because if you think about it, like if your business is making money, right, there should be a time where there's a bunch of cash stacked up and maybe you're like, okay, in the next 12 months, I'm going to buy a house or I'm going to mm-hmm. do something crazy, mm-hmm. uh, buy another business or whatever. And that would be the time where you're like, I need that hundred thousand dollars. It's stacked up, whatever you can. Mm-hmm. I believe in you. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Send me a text when it happens. I will. I will send you a text. Thank you. And I accept <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. Of course. Thank you so much. Um, uh, before I let you go, uh, it, let me know if there's anything else you want to share. If there's any other points that you're like, oh, Ayana, I wanted to mention that. Um, but also where people can find you on these social media streets. The social media streets, of course. <laughs> I have an Instagram. Um, okay. We're at the Hell Yeah Group. But more importantly, we have an email newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. Uh, you can sign up for it at thehellyeahgroup.com. It's called The Nerd Letter, and I'm dropping gems. I'm giving you links about money that I think are interesting, like not just you know how to maximize your 401k, not that boring stuff, but like narratives mm-hmm. around money and really interesting stories that are all connected with economics and a lot of the topics that we talked about today, you know, the intersection of our feelings and our finances. Okay. Oh, I love it. Don't worry, everybody. All of that will go into the show notes so you can click and have easy access. And Paco, before I let you go, I must tell you that I acknowledge you, I celebrate you, and I uplift you. Thank you so much. You're so very welcome. Thank you for joining me. Of course. It's been a pleasure. I feel like we talked more about feelings than money, and I hope that everybody's okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to be okay with it. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. All right, y'all. That is it. Season four of the Artist Pivot podcast is complete. Thank you so much for tuning in and for striving to be your best self as you pivot. Thank you to my editor, Kieran. You are a rock star. I would love to connect with you all on Instagram and to continue to encourage your new pursuits. You can find me at Ayana M. Bay and at The Artist Pivot. Also, I suggest signing up for the podcast monthly newsletter if you haven't already. You'll be the first to know when season five is about to premiere. You can sign up at ayanabay.com slash podcast. Yes, all of this info is in the show notes. Thank you again for supporting this show, and I will speak to you soon. Please feel free to visit this episode's show notes for links to get in touch with my guest, as well as a link to rate and review my podcast on Podchaser. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, all you have to do is scroll down to the rate and review section. You can find and connect with me on Instagram at The Artist Pivot to see audiograms, fun facts, and posts featuring my guests. Make sure you hit the subscribe button if you haven't already to get notified when a new episode is out. And please share this episode with at least one friend. For those who are working on their mental health and well-being, on a journey of facing your fears, or trying therapy for the first time, our show sponsor BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
BetterHelp makes professional therapy accessible and affordable with 20,000 plus therapists in their network and the ability to request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. I have found that therapy is a tool to use to improve your life in one of the healthiest ways. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. So many people use BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash artistpivot. That's betterhelp.com slash artistpivot. Ever heard the phrase found time? Well, Audible helps you find the time to get more stories and information while commuting, cooking, gardening, exercising, etc. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digests, as well as guided meditation programs. They have podcasts, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. Fun fact, if you listened to every title on Audible, you'd be listening for more than three centuries. So click the link in the show notes or visit audibletrial.com slash theartistpivot to start your 30-day free trial of Audible and listen to that book you haven't read yet or laugh at a comedy special while doing the dishes. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash theartistpivot. Using the link lets Audible know that we sent you and a great way to support the show. This episode was edited by Kieran Niemant and produced by me, Ayana Major Bay. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll speak to you soon. 